0: Okay, kid. Hey, boomers, think you figured out the latest senior scam and are now safe? No, says retired FBI agent and scam fighter Brett Hood.
1: One thing I learned about the FBI working fraud is that it is a constant cat and mouse game. The way they come up with different things. Law enforcement, government comes up with solutions.
0: That's retired FBI agent Brett Hood talking about scams. And what happens when a senior citizen finds out that her father was not really her father? And when friends and loved ones offer comfort that is not really comfort?
2: The worst thing you can say to him is, oh, well, it doesn't make any difference. Your dad so-and-so is still your dad. It, it, you know, move on. Just that's, that's the way it is. Just move on. It doesn't matter. But it does matter because literally I lost half of myself that night.
0: We'll talk with Debbie Busler about what happened when she researched the DNA of her family. And the next question, which is ongoing, is what do senior centers need?
3: We're all growing quite a bit older, and so it's seeking those people that are maybe just retired, maybe 60, 55, 60 years old.
0: That's Sharon Lawless, a nurse and a member of the Murfreesboro, Illinois Senior Center. We'll hear from Sharon in a few minutes. The news is next. Illinois taxpayers that received the special one-time property tax and or income tax refund check from the state of Illinois last year are currently being advised by the IRS to hold on filing their 2022 tax returns. The IRS is working with state tax officials to determine if those payments are taxable by the federal government. The refund checks in question are the ones most Illinoisans received last fall as part of Governor Pritzker's temporary tax relief plan. The income tax rebate checks were sent to those who earned less than $200,000 for individual filers and less than $400,000 for joint filers. Single filers received $50 and a joint filer received $100, and those with dependents received $100 per dependent, up to $300. The election year plan also sent property tax rebates up to $300 for homeowners. And from AARP to SNAP, that's the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program. SNAP recipients will find a reduction in their monthly benefits starting in a few weeks. Emergency allotments of what used to be called food stamps have been in place for two years, but they're due to expire at the end of February under a new government spending bill. Since January 2021, eligible families have received a 15 percent boost in SNAP benefits with a maximum benefit based on household size instead of income. The increased benefits were intended to stop once the government declared an end to the COVID public health emergency. But although the public health emergency has been extended until April, the allotments will end earlier. And the emergency has to do, of course, with COVID. And let's talk about our favorite subject— That is fighting against our thinking, is fighting against me trying to read this newscast, and that is COVID brain fog, which I have. And as many as one in four people who contract COVID-19 may develop this very same brain fog. This from a study in the journal Cell. Yet there's no single definition of what brain fog is yet. Experts label it as cognitive impairment. For instance, you may think of those moments when you can't put together a sentence or you lose your train of thought, or maybe it's a general malaise, a lack of focus. Brain fog is unique to each person who suffers from it. COVID-related brain fog tends to affect attention, memory, and executive function. Now, that's the CEO, the chief executive officer of your brain. It oversees tasks, such as organizing info, making plans, and solving problems. The cognitive functions affected by brain fog are all regulated by the frontal lobe, the processing center of the brain, which is that develops only in humans and is responsible for our more advanced cognitive abilities. Now, what causes this brain fog? The assumed culprit behind brain fog is inflammation. When that internal fire rages from, say, COVID, it impedes your brain's ability to communicate with the rest of the body. Okay, how do you know if you actually have brain fog? The main criterion to consider is whether you're having difficulty returning to a baseline level of functioning. If the fog is severely impacting your daily functioning and causing significant distress, you may benefit from an outpatient cognitive rehabilitation program, which involves occupational and speech therapies. To qualify, you'll need an evaluation and a referral from a neurologist, neuropsychologist, or PCP. There's no age restriction, and insurance covers it, but the number of sessions included usually varies by plan such as Medicare Advantage. Seniors who have opted into private Medicare plans shouldn't be afraid to push back on pre-approval denials, according to a new study. Of the 35 million applications from Medicare Advantage members seeking pre-authorization for health services or medications in 2021, 2 million of those applications were denied in whole or in part, according to a new analysis from the Kaiser Family Foundation, a nonprofit organization. But, of the 11% of cases appealed, insurers overturned more than 4 in 5, that's 82% of their original decisions, according to the report. So, the results indicate that the approval process can create unnecessary barriers for patients to receive medical care, and underscored that seniors may want to spend more time researching these particular plans to avoid problems. Jeannie Fugleston Benyik said the high frequency of positive outcomes on appeals raises the question of whether a greater proportion of initial decisions should be approved. Benyik is associate director of the Program on Medicare Policy at Kaiser. Still, people who go through this appeal process often succeed, Benyik said. We don't know if that's because the people filing appeals have the best arguments to make, but there may be more opportunities for people to have some of those motions ultimately approved. Now, if you're like me, you don't pay attention to everything you do, brain fog or not. Maybe you're thinking about the big game next Sunday when you're washing the dishes, or listening to music while you mechanically vacuum the rug. But sometimes those activities that are so easy that thinking is optional can get us into trouble. Let's talk about not thinking. Say when you go to the gas station and you swipe your card and it asks for the PIN, what are the dangers in doing that? There are a lot of people going in
1: and out of gas stations. What would be the problem? Technology is amazing. I I couldn't live without certain technology today. It's hard to imagine of a time when we used to have pagers instead of cell phones. But with technology, there are Criminals and fraudsters who learn to leverage that technology for their own benefit. And so what they found is that we can create cameras that are so small, or we can create these little devices that we can put inside the credit card slot that captures all of your information. So if I go to the gas station or even maybe the grocery store, I put my debit card in and ask for my PIN. I always take my hand and cover the PIN pad while I punch in my PIN. Two things. One, if there's a camera, now all they see is my hand and not the numbers that I'm punching in. If I'm at the grocery store, there may be somebody looking over my shoulder just to see which numbers I press in. And I've done this on a couple of occasions where I've watched people put their pin number in because they don't do anything to protect it. Now, I'm not going to steal it, but there are people out there who would. If you put your hand over the pin pad and punch in your numbers, it makes it more difficult for a fraudster to see it. And now, hopefully, if they're really trying to steal your PIN number, you're going to see them craning their neck, moving over your shoulder, trying to see it. Then you can take other precautions. It seems
0: like uh, when the scamsters come up with something new, uh, there's going to be a delay uh, in people responding appropriately, meaning putting
1: together safeguards against the scammers. One thing I learned about the FBI working fraud is that it is a constant cat and mouse game. They come up with different things. Law enforcement, government comes up with solutions. Mm. And then they come up with something new. And then businesses, government, they're having to respond to those solutions. So it's always going to be a give and take game. For example, I'll give you this. Back in the 1990s with credit cards, you didn't have that digital chip in there. Mm. And so what was happening is that the majority of fraud transactions occurred with the credit card present. And then, all of a sudden, the credit card companies decide to put that little chip in there. Well, fraud, credit card present, went down significantly. But fraud with credit card not present, such as online purchases, went up in the direct amount that the other one lost. So they just moved their methods and still committed the same amount of fraud. Makes sense. If I wanted to
0: steal something from somebody, I would uh, first... Do it in the easiest possible way. Uh, look for a victim who looked like a victim. Yeah. Uh, what about on Facebook? What is the latest frauds on Facebook? I'm on Facebook a lot. Uh, what is the latest thing we have to watch out for?
1: Facebook is, it's, I, I love Facebook. Um, it, it's a way for me to keep in contact with my friends. Yeah, sure. But I also notice there are a lot of things happening on Facebook, such as quizzes, Little fun exercises such as how many states have you been in? Um, How many jobs have you held? How many places have you visited? Facebook, you are the product. Your information is the product. So everything you put on Facebook is scraped and collected by Facebook. And there are other programs out there, other companies that can access this information and gather it. Um, It's estimated that they have at least 6,000 unique pieces of information about each of us. With that amount of information, then they can certainly do, uh, dictate ways that they can deceive us, manipulate us, influence us without our knowledge. So, my practice on Facebook is I love those little quizzes, but I never post my answers to them because all I'm doing is providing information about who I am, which some people can use to defraud me. So, I don't do that because I don't want to give them that extra ammunition to learn how to influence me, how to manipulate me for their own personal purposes. Do you have anything final to say? The one major thing about fraud, the people that usually they just, they don't realize it because their desires and their wants start to get in the way, is that if it sounds too good to be true, then it is. As I told the people in West Frankfurt today, if anybody offers you an investment that is more than the average T-bill, treasury bill rate. And right now, I looked it up yesterday, it was about 5%. So if someone offers you more than 5% per year and guarantees that return, that is too good to be true. Walk away, run away, and keep your money instead of giving it to a fraudster. That's what Jay Bustler told me several months ago. Yes, I mean, you'd be surprised at how many people fall victim to that. There's also what I call the -the toe-in-the-water test. So A fraudster will come up to you, and they'll say, "Um, I can guarantee you 12% per month. And you're like, okay, let me test it. Let me put my toe in the water. So I give them $10,000. And after that first month, I get a statement that says, hey, your $10,000 has grown to $12,000. And you're like, oh, that's awesome. Now, give me a check for $12,000. And the fraudster knows that you have $100,000 accessible, so he writes you a check for $12,000. And you go to your bank, you cash it, and it clears. Now you've got $12,000. That's the first toe in the water. And how people respond is they said, well, let me give you my 100000 now because the fraudster knew all along that if I paid you this amount, you're going to give me the $100,000. And unfortunately, in my career, I've seen people go further. Not only do they give the $100,000, they mortgage their house, which is paid off they leverage their debt. They maximize their credit cards to give the fraudster the most money they can and end up losing it all.
0: Brett Hood is a retired FBI agent who is an adjunct professor of fraud examinations, forensic accounting, and corporate governance and ethics professor at the University of Virginia. Brett is also a faculty member for the Association of Certified Fraud Examiners, and he spent 25 years in the FBI and is now retired. And now a word about medical tests that used to be performed only in the doctor's office or lab, but may be coming to you soon, like performing your test at the kitchen table. And upcoming Boomer Films will be reviewed. It's all packed now into the AARP Minute.
4: Thanks in part to widespread acceptance of at-home COVID testing, several health tests that once required a trip to a doctor's office can now be performed at home. At-home vision tests are now available, although they do not replace a full vision health exam. Other tests can check your arteries, urine, or respiratory system. Some are still waiting for FDA approval. Most will sync up to your smartphone to show you the results. AARP's annual Movies for Grown Ups Awards ceremony, held January 28th in Los Angeles, will be broadcast this weekend. The awards celebrate films and TV shows made by and for people 50 and older. Actor Alan Cumming hosts the star-studded evening.
5: It is so nice to be back where we
6: belong, in a fancy ballroom in Beverly Hills.
4: Receiving honors are Jeff Bridges, Cheryl Lee Ralph, Brendan Fraser, and many other stars. Jamie Lee Curtis is the Career Achievement Award winner. The awards will be broadcast Friday at 9 p.m. Eastern on PBS. That's your AARP Minute.
0: And I used to think somebody who was in his 50s was old. (laughs) We go on. 71-year-old Debbie Bustler of West Frankfort, Illinois, found out that the man she considered to be her father was not. First, Debbie told me that the following is not the way to offer sympathy to someone in Debbie's predicament.
2: The worst thing you can say to him is, oh, well, it doesn't make any difference. Your dad, so-and-so is still your dad. It, It just, you know you know move on just that's that's the way it is just move on it doesn't matter but it does matter because literally i lost half of myself that night
0: and what exactly happened tell me what you found out exactly
2: well my dad that raised me was overseas for 3 years in the philippines during world war 2 and my brother was born in November of 1945, and his father, who happens to be my father, came down—he uh, was from Mount Vernon—he came to West Frankfort for my brother's birth. And my mom did tell me that. She said, we were separated, but he came down when Terry was born, but we never, we never lived together after that. Um, so, you know, she was my mother. Why would she lie to me? So I, you know, I believe that. But I really, I think what happened is I think um, maybe they were separated, but obviously they went back together at some point. But I think she probably, my dad that raised me was a musician, and I think she probably went somewhere where he was playing, expecting to maybe run into him and did. and I think as soon as they saw each other they realized they needed to be together. I mean he was the love of her life and he she he worshipped the ground she walked on and they were meant to be together. So I think then they started making plans to divorce my biological father and uh and get married again. And maybe she didn't even know she was pregnant with me at that time. Um and, and and I think that might be the case. But I do think she probably figured out later on when uh, <laughs> when I began to grow taller than everybody else. And didn't, I, I felt like a fish out of water in that family because most of them were short. My dad that raised me was 5'7". My mom was 5'4". I'm 5'8".
0: And that was tall back then. And so what happened is you found out who your real father was.
2: I did. I found out my real father uh, was from Mount Vernon and his parents were from Mount Vernon. And um, he passed away at the young age of 59. He had a massive heart attack. He was living in New Orleans at the time, training horses. And um, so I never had the opportunity to meet him. My brother did meet him a couple of times. But I, not knowing he was my father, never made an effort to try to meet him. So uh, but I did find out that my biological father is was six foot three, which is why I am tall. And my husband and I, my husband's six one, and I'm five eight. But we have two boys, one six foot three and one six foot six. And we always wondered where we got these giant boys.
0: And now you know.
2: And now now I know. And the youngest one is a doppelganger for my biological father. He looks exactly like him.
0: He does. I saw the pictures you sent me, and uh, they look identical. One looks a little older than the other, but uh, they look like the same person. So based on this, what would you say about someone who is curious About finding out their lineage?
2: Buckle up because you might be in for a wild ride but all in all I'm glad that I found out because it answered a lot of questions simply now because I'm I'm getting up in age and medical history for both sides of your family is very important. Um, after this happened, and I, I tried to find out as much as I could, I found some cousins, and they were really good to help me um, with, with family medical history. And then I had to go to my primary care physician, and I had to tell her, um, you need to just kind of delete everything on the paternal side of my family because it's not correct. And, of course, she actually she was one of the most sympathetic people that I told in the beginning, because I don't, I don't think people really understand exactly how devastating it is to basically, literally lose half of yourself, and then you have to find it. You have to find that half of yourself. And uh, some people, some people are okay with it. Some people manage okay. Some people. I have a friend who I've been helping, he's been going through this, and he's actually in counseling. It's, it's affected him to the point where um, he's in counseling. But his mother's alive, and he feels that his mother he feels that his mother lied to him all of his life, and he, he does hold that against her.
0: Well, yeah, that's tough. See, I was adopted, so I don't have any idea. Yeah. I might do that someday, but it's not going to affect me that much since I was adopted. Well,
2: since so you know you were adopted. Yeah, But, yeah. you know, I loved my dad. Yeah. And I think I told you in, you read my blog, I, I thought I got my musical talent from my dad. He was a professional musician. And music was easy for me. I never had lessons. I taught myself to play several different instruments. I play by ear. I can read music, too. But... I always attributed that to, I inherited that talent from him. And it was really, that was one of the hardest things. I convinced myself I really didn't have any talent. Um, I even quit playing at church because I just, I couldn't do it. I went for months without sitting down at that piano bench.
0: Okay, this is after you got the news about the DNA. This after I got
2: the news about the DNA, yes. Um, you know, I've gotten through that now. I still enjoy playing music. I realize now, after doing some research, on my newfound paternal family, that there is music in the family on my father's side. So that's where that comes from. But it was hard.
0: So. And we'll have Debbie Busler on with us next week to talk more about the search for her ancestors. This from the Egyptian Area Agency on Aging, located in southern Illinois senior centers need to develop a new image and new activities to meet the needs of older adults, especially baby boomers. Egyptian Area Agency on Aging has put together a committee to address the concern of younger, older adults not attending senior centers. The hope is that the committee will be able to find out what changes need to be made in our region to ensure the needs of all older adults are met. Sharon Lawless, who's a nurse and a member of the Murfreesboro Senior Center, is a committee member. Recently, Sharon talked with members of the Murfreesboro Senior Center about what is important to them.
3: The senior centers, we offer a lot of uh, services, but it's getting the information out to people. And our one of our issues here in Murfreesboro particularly is the fact that We're all growing quite a bit older, and so it's seeking those people that are maybe just retired, maybe 60, 55, 60 years old that generation. Because when you put the word senior out there, they think that we're all open, decrepitated, and either with a cane or a wheelchair. (laughs) That's what I think. Because uh, I
0: lived in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh And I came to uh, Southern Illinois once again in in the end of uh, 2020, and uh, I was in my late 60s, and I never even considered going to a senior citizen center until I started doing research for this broadcast. Mm -hmm. And I see a lot of quite older people here. I do see some younger oldsters, as some people are calling us.
3: Yes. Um, The first time I ever came here, I was teaching CPR, And I noticed, Murfreesboro has a wonderful dance floor. And I noticed some ladies uh, doing exercises to dance music that I recognized. Uh, It was old rock and roll, I might add. And uh, I thought, oh, well, that looks fun. And then I noticed people wandering in for lunch. And uh, the meals come from Carbondale. And uh, Carbondale, you can just go in and eat. And the meals are donations of three dollars a piece. But you know, if people don't have three dollars, we feed them anyway. And uh, so I got involved with that. Um, and then I was asked to be on the council. And uh, been an old nurse too. I on Thursdays, I was bringing in my blood pressure cuff and doing people's blood pressures. And Carbondale at that time, uh, the health department not only was doing blood pressures, but they had a nurse coming in doing blood sugars, which is wonderful. But, uh, you know, I didn't, you know, I was doing this all on my own, so I didn't have any way of checking people's blood sugars at that time. But Okay,
0: yeah. do you have any final thoughts? Yes.
3: Yes. Um, I think as we become of a certain age, that most of us have gathered information in our walk in life that we can be a very supportive tribute to our community. And, and oh, the other thing is uh, the veterans uh, program. I talked to the lady that that services the veterans, and I want to particularly bring this part out, is if you know uh, an older veteran, say Vietnam, Korea, and I think they still have one from World War II over in Carbondale, that needs some help at home. They're not bedridden or anything, but this I was told through this lady that the service can provide caregivers, they can provide housekeeping at no charge at all to the veteran, and also another lady from Goreville that will do our taxes for us for nothing.
0: Sharon Lawless, who plans to keep the seniors who attend the Murfreesboro Center up to date about the committee on the center's Facebook page and newsletter. And if you're interested in serving on the committee or in offering ideas and recommendations on programming for our current senior sites, contact the office. The Egyptian Area Agency on Aging, the number is 618-985-8311. That's 618-985-8311. Or you can find it on the web.
2: Hey
4: everyone, it's the White Raven from the hot, hot, hot Louisiana gumbo pot right here on WVVX. And we have some big news for you.
6: Friday, March 10th and Saturday, March 11th at the Route 51 Brewery is our annual WDBX Mardi Gras Madness Fundraiser. Friday night, the Zydeco Crawdaddy, direct from St. Louis, will be starting around 7 p.m. And then, Ivis John Band will close out the
2: night. Saturday night, Fiddle Rick and the Bourbon Boys, House Band of the Gumbo Pot, will kick off the night at 6 p.m. And straight from New Orleans, it's going to be Papa Gro's Funk. You can get
1: your pre-sale tickets at Plaza Records in Carbondale, Illinois. $30 for both nights
6: and an event t-shirt. Plaza is open seven days a week from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m.
2: Yeah, you're right.
6: There is no... Party like a gumbo pot party.
3: Aye.
4: Aye. Okay, boomer. <laughs>
2: Hey, everybody, it's the White Raven from the hot, hot, hot Louisiana Gumbo Pot right here on WDBX, Sundays 12 to 2. Join me and all the Gumbo Pot heads where I'll be bringing you all the best music from Louisiana, New Orleans, the Bayou, with a little bit of Delta Blues thrown in for good measure. So, while you swamp rats, grab your Zydeco shoes, meet me in the Gumbo Pot at high noon. We always pass a good time, Chef. Peace, love, and Zydeco.
3: Aye.
7: Aye. 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 Aye.
0: A hey, going to Mardi Gras without leaving Southern Illinois—that's a pretty good deal for me. Oh boy, it's time to get up. Oh, it hurts. Now let's go on to our little brain teaser. Our brain teasers are brought to you by Bob and Marcia Smith. It's called the off ramp, but they're asking questions, and you may or may not know the answers. But think about it—that helps you keep your brain going, and it fights the brain fog. Anyway, I'll give you the first answer. The first answer is Richard N... Nah, nah, I'll let you figure it out.
6: Well, Marcia, what historical artifact is kept in a climate-controlled vault at the National Archives in the hopes that one day its secrets may be unlocked? What item? Yes. It's a physical item.
5: Is it an Egyptian thing or a United States thing? It's a
6: United States thing. It It dates from the 1970s. 1970s? It has a number on it, 342. Is
5: it from the moon? No. No? Is it from uh, Deep Dig? What is it?
6: It is the White House tape number 342. (laughs) <laughs> From the Nixon Presidential Administration. Now, we recently had the seven-hour gap in the records for President Trump on January the 6th, 2021. This is about the famous tape with the 18-minute gap. Right. And the Nixon Administration it covered up what was believed to be a conversation about covering up the yeah. Watergate break-in. Exactly. Well... They tried to decipher that. Oh, they Experts. think that
5: maybe someday they will.
6: That's right.
5: Fascinating. They
6: think someday technology will catch up with this problem, and they may be able to pull out the oh, conversation. That's cool. In 2003, the chief archivist concluded, I'm fully satisfied we've explored all the avenues to attempt to recover the sound of this tape, but we will continue to preserve the tape in hopes that later generations can try again to recover this vital piece of history. So it's kept in a climate-controlled vault in the National Archives, preserved with the hope that its secrets may one day be unlocked.
5: Okay, Bob, if you have termites, why is it bad to play rock music?
6: It's bad to play rock music for termites.
5: Yeah, if you have them in your house.
6: Oh, it must agitate them.
5: Actually, they like it, so they work faster and more (laughs) diligently. More
6: efficiently.
5: Yeah, they eat wood twice as fast when listening to rock music. And in 1968, there was a study done in Florida, and they found that termites respond well to heavy metal music, and they just chewed faster when they were listening.
6: Oh, dear. (laughs) Faster, more efficient destruction of your house if you have termites in rock music. Yeah, in heaven. Who knew? (laughs) Let's go way, way back in history now. This is the time of Marco Polo. Marco Polo went to China. What was the thing that confused him the most and astounded him the most?
5: Oh, gosh. China must have blew him away. Oh, what would be the most? I don't know, Bob. Was it a structure? No. Was it? Uh, it was a
6: medium of exchange.
5: They exchanged silk and uh, the, the things they used for money
6: paper money
5: paper they had paper money they
6: had paper money in china and he was just amazed at it you know he got there and he saw so many wonders gunpowder and coal and eyeglasses and porcelain but the thing that astonished him the most was a new invention implemented by kublai khan a grandson of genghis khan uh-huh. paper money introduced in 1260 he thought that kublai khan possessed the secrets of, of magician's because he had the art of producing money
5: it's so fascinating Okay, so here's something a little more arcane. What is the most common colored toothbrush people buy today? I think green or blue. One of those. Blue. Correct. Ding, ding. More people buy blue than any other color. Yay. And red is the second. Really? Yep. And according to Capitol Hill Pediatric Dentists.
6: What? Capitol <laughs> Hill?
5: More people own and use a mobile device than those people who own a toothbrush. What? Yeah. The world has more than 8 billion mobile devices, and only about 3.5 billion people are estimated to use a toothbrush. Well
6: this is strange. Yes. That's so, a strange statistic. That's why
5: I brought in the Capitol Hill pediatric dentist. I'm
6: just hoping <laughs> somehow these people they, find a toothbrush to well, brush their teeth.
5: Yeah, that's, that's a lot of people that's, not brushing.
6: Okay, I have a question for you on Oscars, okay? Uh Who is the only movie maker who's been nominated in his category in six different decades? The only movie maker who's been nominated in his category in six different decades. So I gave you a clue there. Six different decades. It's a man, six decades, he's still alive.
5: Wow. Okay, give me the decades.
6: The 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000, 2010s, and 2020s. So that's six decades right there.
5: Somebody like... uh,
6: Somebody who was just nominated again in 2022. I should
5: know that. Spielberg?
6: It was Spielberg. Yeah. He received a Best Director nomination for West Side Story in 2022. His first nomination was for Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Was
5: it that long ago?
6: 1977. So he got a nomination for each decade in the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s, and 2020s.
5: Six decades.
6: He's uh, been nominated eight times for the Best Director Award during his career.
5: Well, has he but won, Bob?
6: He won twice for Best Director and won for Best Picture. So uh,
5: we're talking about Spielberg. Yes, uh-huh. Okay. Okay, Bob, Australia is Earth's smallest continent. It's closer in size to Greenland than any other continent. So why did geographers decide Australia was a continent instead of an island like Greenland?
6: It has something to do with the continental shelf, I think, doesn't it?
5: It's part of it, but it's not the biggest part. Okay, I don't know. Australia is a much larger landmass than Greenland, roughly 3 million square miles compared to Greenland, which is 836,000 square miles. Okay, But also... Much of Australia's plant and animal life is endemic to the country, including its indigenous people. The Aborigines in Australia are found nowhere else the
6: in the DNA world. is unique.
5: It is very unique.
6: Just like the animals too. So unique continent, unique people, unique animals, because we have marsupials there, which are the animals with pouches, kangaroos and so forth. That is correct. Those are all unique. They can't be found anywhere else on earth.
5: Yeah, and it's a lot bigger. Hmm. That's why good old uh, Greenland is in the
6: continent. Okay, so we talk big. Let's talk small. What state has the smallest county by area in the United States? In the United
5: States. Smallest. Tell me what part of the United States. East, west, north? Okay,
6: I'll give you four choices.
5: East, west, north, or south?
6: East? No, no, no. (laughs) Connecticut? Yeah. Texas? Rhode Island or Hawaii? I'll say Hawaii. It is Hawaii. You're right. It's America's smallest county. It's Kalawao County on the Hawaiian island of Molokai. It's small, very small, only 12 square miles in area. This county has a population of just 82 people as of the most recent census. So it's the second smallest county by population, first smallest by size. One of the reasons this county is small and so isolated is it once held a leper colony for a number of years. That
5: would keep it down.
6: Yeah, victims of what is now known as Hansen's disease.
5: All right, before MASH, most sitcoms were filmed on stage sets in front of a live audience. To enhance the wartime realism of the show, Exterior and tent shots were shot on location. Where?
6: Southern California. <laughs>
5: it was Malibu. Their oh, ma-
6: no kidding.
5: They did it in the mountains near Malibu. And in October 9, 1982, as the series was wrapping up production, a sweeping brush fire destroyed most of their outdoor sets. Wow. The fire was written into the final episode as being caused by enemy bombs, and uh, that forced the MASH unit to move out. The site today is known as Malibu Creek State Park, and some of the original set locations are still intact and open to visitors.
6: I didn't know that. That's
5: why I'm here, Bob, to enlighten you.
6: Okay, Bob Rickman, I think that's all the trivia we have for today. Back to you and OK Boomer.
2: OK Boomer.
0: And now, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to have a very special press conference with the Vice President of the United States. No, not that one. This one, Nelson Rockefeller, back in about 1964.
7: I'm Alan Robin, and I'm sitting here with my partner, Mr. Earl Dowd. Good evening. And also with Mr. Westbrook Van Warres, Mr. John St. Ledger, and Mr. John Cameron Swayze. And the five of us are going to conduct a series of simulated press conferences. We've taken the actual recorded voices of the president and other prominent political people and we put their answers with questions entirely of our own making. Well, why did we ever do a thing like that? Well, I don't know, but I think it sounds much more interesting this way. Our next guest is the Governor of New York. Governor, it might interest you to know that you are our first interview today. I can't imagine a more auspicious start. (laughs) Uh, You are Governor of the most complex and powerful state in the Union. Could you tell us, what are the duties of the governor of the state of New York? I haven't the slightest idea.
6: (laughs) Well, in that connection, sir, just how often do you actually go to your office?
7: Annually. (laughs) We continue with Mr. St. Ledger. Uh, One of the biggest problems facing you in New York is the plight of the New Haven Railroad. I read a lot about it in the papers. (laughs) Well, what exactly is the problem? Give me an example. If a train arrived in Grand Central from, say, Westport, Connecticut at 4 this afternoon, when would it have left Westport? Eleven years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Van Boreas. Can I ask you a rather tough question? About taxes? Go all the way. <laughs> your opponents say that if you are re-elected, the small businessman will be taxed out of existence. There's no question. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Swayze? Governor, how do you like Bobby Kennedy being in your state? I'm really deeply grateful. Are you telling the truth? No. (laughs) You are known to be very generous to those close to you. Over the years. Uh, Well, could you tell us what you're planning to give your wife for her next birthday? The state of Connecticut and the state of New York. Uh, Did I understand you correctly? You're going to give your wife... Both states and the people in those two states. (laughs) Governor, we'd like to thank you for being with us, and good night. Goody night. Oh, and, and a goody night to you, too. Thank you, Nelson
0: Rockefeller, <laughs> Mr. Vice President, from about 1964. Hey, folks, let's stay in the 60s. Okay, uh, boomer. Yeah, okay, mister. Just stand over there. Uh, let's stay in the mid mid to early 60s, and we will be playing uh, a bit of music. It's an instrumental. And as you might remember, in the top 40 charts, instrumentals many times didn't get up there, but this one did. And it was the instrumental for one of the most famous Westerns in the history of television. Roger Ramjet has the story.
2: For his adventures, just be sure and stay tuned to this station.
0: Moving on to 1961 today, we have another instrumental. Today's song is by Al Kaola and his orchestra. It's the theme song from the TV show Bonanza, which starred Lauren Green. Al Keola was an accomplished guitar player who played on many popular hits. He landed a job in 1946 with the CBS Orchestra that lasted 10 years. During that time, he worked on shows starring Ed Sullivan, Jackie Gleason, Arthur Godfrey, and Steve Allen. He actually had three singles on the charts under his own name, two of which made the top 40. This was his biggest, peaking at number 19. Here's Al Keola.
7: And his orchestra with Bonanza.
6: Hi, I'm Bob Smith. I'm Marcia Smith. The world is dark enough.
5: So we like to keep it fun and light.
6: Join us for 30 minutes of fact-filled fun every week
5: on the Off-Ramp Trivia
6: Podcast. You'll hear fascinating facts about history, music, discovery, weird animals, and everything in between. Including little-known facts about well-known people. Each week, right here on The the Off-Ramp. Find us wherever you get your podcasts or visit us online at theofframp.show.
0: High above our planets, in the realm of satellites and space stations, the familiar rules of Earth do not apply. Midday sky is as black as night, there is no up nor down, dropped objects do not fall, and hot air does not rise. But of all the strange things that happen up there, it is possible that the strangest happens to coffee. A cup of Joe with Robert. Physics professor Mark Weislogel of Portland State University says, for starters, it would be a chore just getting the coffee into the cup. Absent the pull of gravity, pouring liquids can be very tricky. But for the sake of argument, let's suppose you are on the space station and you have a cup of coffee in your hand. I'm holding it right now. The most natural thing would be to tip the cup towards your lips. What one would do... The coffee would be very hard to control, he continues. In fact, it probably wouldn't come out the cup. You'd have to shake the cup towards your face and hope that some of the liquid breaks loose and floats towards your mouth. On the bright side, you will probably be wide awake by the time the cup is empty. Now, to develop a better understanding of fluids in microgravity, Weiss-Logel and colleagues are conducting the capillary flow experiment on board the International Space Station. Weisslogel and colleagues have already been granted three patents for the devices, one of which, that's right, is for a low-gravity coffee cup. And they designed it specifically for me because one of these days I'd like to go into space and everyone knows how much I need to have my coffee. Basically, one side of the cup has a sharp interior corner. In the microgravity environment of the space station, capillary forces send fluid flowing along the channel right into the lips of the drinker. As you sip, mm, more fluid keeps coming and you can enjoy your coffee in a weightless environment. Clear down to the last
7: drop.
3: Okay, Boomer.
7: A redneck spends his time outside and gets a lot of sun. In fact, his neck is not just burned, it's nicely overdone. And I've heard tell that standing in the sun can fry your brain Till you don't have enough sense to get out of the rain Now, I'm a redneck, I suppose, because I do some things Make folks think that I'm a puppet with some missing strings I ride around in a beat-up truck with monster mudder tires With a rifle rack and a cold six-pack and a muffler tied with wires B-red neck Red brown dirt Black greasy hands A worn-out flannel shirt good. Old truck with brand new speakers steel toed boots or no-name sneakers hardly working or working hard gone out fishing or mowing the yard day to day check to check a life-sized heart a true redneck I might drink beer or soda pop to wash away the dust. I look for fun and happiness with people I can trust. If working hard and loving life are things you like to do, whether you live north or south, that redneck might be you. Red neck, red brown dirt, black greasy hands, a worn out flannel shirt, good old truck with brand new speakers, steel-toed boots, or no-name sneakers. Hardly working or working hard, Gone out fishing or mowin' the yard, day to day, check to check, a life-sized heart, a true redneck. Hardly working or working hard. Gone out fishing or mowin' the yard, day to day, check to check, a life-sized heart. A true redneck.
0: And I'd also like to think, along with Roger Ramjet, uh, Brett Hood, Debbie Busler, and Sharon Lawless, along with Bob and Marsha Smith. That's OK Boomer for today. I'm Robert Brickman. See you once again on Friday. That's right, 9 o'clock on Fridays from WDBX. No more movings Friday to Tuesday to Tuesday to Friday to 10 to 9 to 9 to 9, because I get confused with it. So we're going to stay on Friday, 9 o'clock on WDBX Carbondale.